operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. Better than ever. Comic Book Revolution Podcast, as always, by my side. Steven. Yes. The Carol Danvers to my Billy Batson. Oh, God. (laughs) I got the better Captain Marvel on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would think that you did. (laughs) Uh, As always, you can check us out at comicbookrevolution.com for all of our news, reviews, and whatnot. You can check me out on Twitter at rock2ksrevolution. Steven. They can check me out on Twitter at Resident Glover. In this podcast, we have a nice selection of comics. We are going to be DC heavy this week just because they put out more interesting comics this week. <laughs> it's just the way it worked. It's just the way it worked. And you know me, I can't resist number one issues, and DC had a couple of them as well. And they had a big event, so it just it's just the way it lined up. Yeah. We're going to take a look at, Steven, Doomsday Clock number eight. Mm-hmm. The good big event. We've got uh, <laughs> Justice League number 13. and then Fresh off a big event. Mm-hmm. Then we have two, not one, but two number one issues from DC. We've got Shazam number one. Mm-hmm. And we've got Martian Manhunter number one. And then from Marvel, we have a couple of number one issues, which is a lot of number one issues this podcast, yeah. even. I can't resist it. We've got Namor number one, the best defense leading us to the original, except no substitute defenders, mm-hmm. and Winter Soldier number one. All right. Steven, let's kick this off, shall we? Let's just go right Let's just go right to the big daddy of all of them. Sure. Doomsday Clock number eight, okay? Mm-hmm. This brought to us Jeff Johns the doing the words, Gary Frank doing the art. And we begin with Ozymandias in the Oval Office, mm-hmm. looking at some files, saying this will do. And then we cut away to the Daily Planet, and we see Jimmy Olsen delivering orange juice. But it's not orange juice, it's Tang. And Lois mm-hmm. doesn't like Tang. And she's not very happy about it, Stephen. Mm-hmm. So we get two pages of orange juice versus Tang. Mm-hmm. Two. You know, I love, look, every, people who have been following the revolution for a long time, been doing this for 10, 12 years, I love Jeff Johns. I'm a I huge, love Tang. I love Tang. I do love Tang it too. Up every time, I do love Tang. But uh, I do. I, I love Jeff Johns. I've I've been a huge fan of his. Yeah. You can go back on the Revolution and see where I have praised his work consistently. Mm-hmm. But you know, I cannot let something. I can't call out Tom King on on mm-hmm. Heroes in Crisis and then just turn around and give Jeff Johns a pass on the same thing. That's mm-hmm. you. You can't do that if you have any credibility. Okay. So why uh, I like this big event a lot more than Heroes in Crisis. And I do think it's a better writing and a better story mm-hmm. and far more deep and complex and interesting. Yeah. You know, when you burn two pages on Orange Juice versus Tang, you should be called out on it. Yeah. You know? It's, it's a, to me, that's always been one of his weaknesses is when it gets to the office banter. Yep. It's, it's sad when, when Bendis does it better than... Yes. Yep. And it's okay, Jeff. It's okay, Jeff. Just, right. Just don't go back there. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to. You just don't need it. It's not your thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then, of course, on the news screens at the Daily Planet, they see Firestorm is fighting the Russian heroes called the People's Heroes. 
and evidently they watch they watch as the fight happens and then we cut from the daily planet over to russia where the fight is happening in moscow mm-hmm. and Firestorm, during the, the fall, he falls to the ground, and he gets sworn by a huge mob of Russian people, and he freaks out, and he says, let go, and a big burst of flame happens, and he turns them all into glass. This is an unusual moment, because Firestorm powers do not affect organic material. He only is able to transmute inorganic material. It's mm-hmm. been his way his power's been forever. So, yeah. whoa, that's an unusual twist. Yes. And savor it, because that's one of the few actual mm, plot development moments you're going to get in this issue. <laughs> We then cut back to the Daily Planet and spend an entire panel, an entire, I mean, sorry, an entire page showing you Clark Kent leaving. Mm-hmm. That's all that happens in the whole page. He leaves. Great. That's followed by an entire page showing you Clark Kent landing in Kandak. Mm-hmm. Literally, an entire page. Followed by another entire page of him just walking to Black Adam and shaking his hand. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, Stephen, it's, it's three pages. Three pages you spent showing Clark Kent leaving the Daily Planet, flying mm-hmm. off, Flying to contact, landing, walking to Black Adam, and shaking his hand. Mm-hmm. Three pages. That's like, what, four panels? Of actual? That's what it should have been? Four panels? I, I mean, he, I think he, maybe. I think the Kandak landing, I think he wanted to show the superhumans around. So they had the Creeper. I guess. Giganta or whoever. Yeah, Giganta. Him to, I, I get that, but I do agree everything else. Could just, and then, then he sprints a whole page showing him this little Syrian boy who can make sand can animate sand. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's trying to make a point. <laughs> I, I, it's just... It's I'm not, just I mean, I'm not arguing we, with you. I'm just, we already, I think, and the, I, think and I get what they were A whole to page do yeah. of Black Adam saying that uh, Kandak is here for all metahumans. Right. And uh, Superman shouldn't trust the Americans or the Russians. And Firestorm isn't here, but he's welcome here. Okay, mm-hmm. My point is, this is nothing new. Yeah. We already knew that Kandak was a place of refuge for all metahumans from anywhere on the planet, good, mm-hmm. bad, or in between. Right. So showing us Giganta and Creeper, already knew they were there. Sure. Showing us this young boy seeking refuge from Syria, we already knew he was taking people, metahumans seeking refuge. Mm-hmm. It just, it was, it was, it was one, two, three, four pages of... Mm-hmm. Decompressed yeah. and nothing new. Mm-hmm. On top of pages before that were decompressed, giving us nothing new. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of build on it. And then we get one page of Lois Lane finding the little jump drive that was dropped in her mail, mm-hmm. plugs in her computer, and it's an old newsreel, black and white newsreel video of the Just Society of America. Mm-hmm. Whoa, they are back. Now, this is the other page of actual plot progression. <laughs> this was a cool <laughs> moment. Oh my, and she's like, who the hell are they? Yeah. And then we cut to Superman finding Firestorm. He's hidden out in some like abandoned factory in Russia. Mm-hmm. And Firestorm's trying to transmute the boy back into flesh. And Superman's like, look, I got you. You can do this. He's totally supportive. He's like doing what Superman's supposed to do. He's like, mm-hmm. I know you didn't mean to do it. I'm here for you. I have faith in you. If you do it, you can do it. No doubt about it. And I'll be right by your side. Don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. And he Firestorm tries again and turns him back into flesh. Yay! And Superman's like, see, you have nothing to worry about. We can solve the whole problem. We'll change everyone back. Everything's going to be okay. Total good Superman moment. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Moscow. Putin is there doing a little press conference with the the, the people's heroes behind him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, America's declared war on Russia. And they, the, the, the nuclear treaty that we the two nuclear powers had has been keeping the world in balance has been broken because uh, America is now stocking up on metahumans. Mm-hmm. 
and to gain an advantage militarily. So now Russia's going to respond in kind. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Firestorm is wanted for turning all these Russian civilians into glass. And Superman then arrives, and he's like, look, it was an accident. And mm -hmm. we all have to, there, there is no Superman theory. We all have to get together. We all have to love each other, blah, 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 blah. And then you cut to Batman in his Batship, and he's like, what the hell is he doing? And he <laughs> contacts Clark, and he's like, you need to stop talking. And Superman's like, what? And he's like, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> the only Batman talks to Superman that way. Yeah. The only Batman gets to do that. Yeah. And he's like, don't pick a side. And at this point, Superman ignores him and says, the demonization of many humans is wrong, and Firestorm is not a villain. So he picks a side. Mm -hmm. Firestorm then arrives. Superman's like, he can change them all back into flesh. Here's the boy. Mm -hmm. He turned back into flesh. And of course, the Russian soldiers freak out. They're nervous. They fire their guns. Superman at, at Firestorm. Of course, the kid's in front of Firestorm, so they're about to hit the kid. Mm -hmm. So Superman rushes over there, blocks the bullets. The bullets ricochet off Superman, hitting some of the glass, the uh, civilians who return to the glass. They shatter. Mm -hmm. This causes Firestorm to freak out. He attacks the Russian soldiers, saying, stop, you're going to kill the civilians. Mm -hmm. And when he attacks the... Firestorm attacks the Russian soldier. That means the people's heroes then attack, attack Firestorm, Firestorm and, and Superman. Superman. Mm -hmm. And then the Russian military comes in and then Superman goes, no, and knocks down. And the, one of the Russian tanks starts crushing some of the glass people. People. Yeah. And so Superman knocks the tank over and it's all being videoed and it's all across the news. And we see mm -hmm. Lois watching on the news and going, oh, my God. And Batman's like, damn it. <laughs> I told you. And Firestorm's freaking out. Because all these people are getting killed, and why mm -hmm. wouldn't they listen? And he's totally freaking out, and he starts to power up, starts to lose power, right? He's like, overload, mm, right? Yeah. Meltdown. And Superman's like, calm down, calm down, Firestorm. And Batman's like, Superman, listen, you gotta listen to me. The energy readings are spiking. And Superman's like, Firestorm, get control. And Firestorm does. He powers back down. He's, oh, I'm okay. And Batman's like, it's not Firestorm! Yep. The energy readings. And then you see like this big white energy blast. Yeah. And it takes out Firestorm and Superman and everything around them. It takes out Batman and his ship. The video feed goes dead. Lois Lane watching on TV. The video feed's dead. She drops her coffee. Then we cut to the Oval Office. Ozymandias is watching all the video screens. They've all gone dead. And he goes, yes, it begins. Mm -hmm. And that is the end of the issue, Stephen. Doomsday Clock, number eight, what do you think? Um, well, uh, this is very clearly the effort to... Okay, we focus on all the Watchmen characters. Well, now we have the show for the first time in this 12-issue series with the DC characters yes. we're up to. Mm. I think that was very clearly the absolute here. Because um, as, as important as he is to the story, Superman has not really been involved. No, no. Um, and we haven't really explored much of how they react to what's going on with the Superman theory and Correct. all that. We've known about it, but we've not yes. really examined it that closely. Yeah. And, um, like they've mentioned, like, you know, Wonder Woman is gone and mm -hmm. so are the Green Lanterns and all that. But, um, I, on the whole, I, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I think I, I do agree with you. I think the, the decompression is a problem. I, there were certain pages. I didn't mind it as much. Like, mm -hmm. I, like when, with black Adam saying, you know, this is a boy. He didn't have to take as long as he did to say it, right. but you know, he's he did this. He saved these people because he's trying to make his case to Superman. Yes, and so I get that. Yes, but the stuff with the Lois Lane and the Tang, it's like, oh man, like don't write Lois like that. Right. <laughs> she kind of she came across like a total bitch to Jimmy, yeah, didn't she? Like an she unlikable did. bitch. Like, mm -hmm. ooh. Yeah, I don't like Lois. Don't make <laughs> don't make me not like Lois. Yeah, I like Lois. Uh, yeah, but um, 
I mean, bes- besides those problems, I really liked the uh, the last half yes. half of the issue. I thought was really good. The final eleven pages, yeah, were very good. Mm-hmm. And I like the. I, I mean, I've always loved the way that Jeff Johns writes Superman. I uh, totally agree. And I think it shows kind of the full range of of, of a Superman that you can get. Yes, agreed. Completely the, agree. Um, with him and Black Adam, there's mm-hmm. he has a great line. Yes, he does. At the end of their little exchange, that was mm-hmm. so good. And um, I also like what we do with Firestorm. It's it's mm-hmm. a little it's a little different because there seems to be a uh, the Professor Stein in his head seems to be different from one we've seen before. Because mm-hmm. you know he has to, Ronnie Raymond has to like talk like, yes. look, no, we can do this. Superman's here. You know, mm-hmm. I can trust him. Blah blah blah. Yeah, we don't get to see. You normally uh, they draw Professor Stein's like. His head disembodied ghostly yeah. head next to him <laughs> talking back. We don't get to see that. Yeah. Which is an interesting tactic. It's not one usually done with Firestorm. Yeah, and that I thought that was a little strange. Like yeah. that's a little weird. Here. I mean and, it, and they do establish that it's not Ronnie Raymond and Jason Rush again. It's Ronnie no, it's, Raymond and, and, Professor, and Stein, Professor Stein. Yep. Which like the classic Firestorm. Yes. Yeah, no, <laughs> except no substitutes, baby. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 also with despite him not being in the book much, it does make you wonder Okay, so at first we were all wondering, okay, what's Dr. Manhattan up to? Yes. But now the question is, what is Osmandius up to? Osmandius up to? That yeah, bastard. because, I mean, what the variant cover is him with Superman and Dr. Manhattan on strings, yep. like puppets. Yep. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked. And the fact that, you know, Batman was the one who knew. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, this he, he, he didn't come out and say this is part of you're being manipulated, right. but he knew. He knew. It's like don't shut up, don't don't stop talking. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> the Superman had his Captain America moment. Mm-hmm. No, the world is going to. I'm going to make the world move for me, and that did not go well. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and it does say in the extra pages where it shows the news papers, mm-hmm. yeah. front pages about what happened in Moscow. It does say that um, after the explosion in Moscow, that um, Firestorm and Superman are both missing. Yeah. They're both missing, so we don't know what's going on. We don't know who's to blame. Some people are saying Superman did a solar flare and caused the damage. Mm-hmm. Other people are saying it wasn't him. So the point is they're missing, and, and people are blaming everyone else for the problem. Yeah, and the trust that people had in Superman is, is now gone. gone. Yeah. Totally gone. Mm-hmm. That's right. And one, one of the papers has you know, Superman takes a stand for the wrong side, yep. and the, you know the Moscow massacre. Another paper says trust shattered with yeah. the Superman symbol as the S in trust. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, continue. Um, and this, the other thing I thought was interesting was the the big explosion at the end that mm-hmm. goes off around Superman Firestorm. It very much looks like the um, the Doctor Manhattan bombs that went off in the movie. It does. The Watchmen movie. Yes. So I wonder. Correct. That's just another thing. Like, what's what is going on? What is Ozymandias up to? Yes. No, I agree. I, I liked this issue a lot. I've liked Doomsday Clock mm-hmm. since the beginning. The, there's only one issue I didn't like, and that's the one where they wasted an entire issue telling you the backstory of the new Rorschach, which nobody yeah. cared about anyway. Uh, and it just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It was not necessary. But other than that one issue, this has been a fantastic big event. This yeah. story is beautifully written. It is beautifully plotted. It is very intricate. It is very detailed. The setting is phenomenal. The world building is incredible. You get completely lost in the story. You get lost in this universe, in this world. It is phenomenal writing. It is complex. It is deep. You really can sink your teeth into it. It is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful big event. Mm-hmm. I love, 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 love this story. The, the pacing is a problem. 
the, the decompression yeah. is a problem with this issue. Mm-hmm. That was unfortunate. Uh, once uh, we got to the final 11 pages, this issue hit its stride. Mm-hmm. I wish we didn't have to go half an issue to hit our stride, <laughs> especially when you're only talking a 12 issue series in the first place. Uh, so I, it, that, that is my only ding on the issue is the, 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 the pacing was not good. Yeah. That was not good. The, everything else was fantastic though. The story is still compelling. Mm-hmm. The setting and the world is still rich and detailed and completely envelops the reader. Mm-hmm. And sucks you in deeply into the story. Mm-hmm. The character work is phenomenal. Unlike Tom King over mm-hmm. on this is the anti Heroes in Crisis. Heroes in Crisis. Mm-hmm. The setting is 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 like a high school play setting. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's bare bones. Mm-hmm. The world bare bones. Uh, the story paper thin. Yeah, it's very shallow. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. There's no substance. The character work is non-existent. The dialogue is just Tom King's voice. Uh, it's it's whereas this is the exact opposite in every way possible. Mm-hmm. The character work is phenomenal. Look, Jeff Johns knows and loves these characters. Yes, which you can tell when a writer. I mean, I'm only using Heroes in Christ because it's the other big event. I could use a lot of other writers. Okay, so I'm not mm-hmm. just singling out Heroes in Christ as the only comic where this is the case. There are plenty yeah. other writers that do this. Okay, mm-hmm. but you can tell Tom King doesn't give a crap for any of the characters he's writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just tell. There's no love. There's no connection. There's just you, you can tell. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give, just don't give a shit about these characters. He's mm-hmm. collecting a paycheck and he's writing a big event <laughs> story. Which I, I'm fine. It's a free world. Do what you, gotta, you have to love the characters. I mean, it's a job. It's mm-hmm. a job. You're collecting a paycheck. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeff Johns loves these characters, and you can tell. Jeff Johns has always been a huge fan of Firestorm. Always, he's been an unabashed fan of Firestorm. And I'm talking the real Firestorm, Ronnie Raymond. Yeah, Professor Stein. He's always been a big fan of it. He gets the character. He writes a phenomenal Firestorm. He gets Ronnie Raymond. He gets the character perfectly. Mm-hmm. He's a young kid. He's hot-headed with a temper, but he has a very good heart. Mm-hmm. And he's a little reckless, but with good intentions. Yeah. Jeff Johns nails Firestorm's character. Yeah. It is fantastic. I love it, love it, love it. And I've always liked Firestorm. I would love to see Jeff Johns roll out a new Firestorm monthly title. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Johns also, even though he doesn't love Batman, he respects Batman. Mm-hmm. And he writes a perfect Batman. Terse, blunt, mm-hmm. and rude. <laughs> and the only one who, who Superman, the only character Superman would let mm-hmm. talk to him that way. Yeah. And Johns is brilliant because he sets it up so you get that because earlier in the issue he has Black Adam talk to Superman in a rude way. Yeah. Not the same, but uh, sure. Black Adam's more of a chest thumping, trash talking manner. Mm-hmm. Okay. But still, it shows that uh, Superman when it comes to Batman yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Uh, so he does a good job with Batman's character. And I thought, speaking to that, I thought I knew that, I mean, because this was kind of late, but like in the last issue, I knew that, I just knew that Jeff Johns had solidified Batman because when Dr. Manhattan shows up, Batman's the only one who looks at him and goes, I know who you are. Yes. Completely exactly. unafraid. And exactly. Just, and then, of course, after that, Dr. Manhattan teleports. Like, I right. like to think that's because of Batman. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, crap. Right. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, uh, 
Jeff Johns is also a massive fan of of Shazam and Black mm-hmm. Adam. He's been open about that as well. He adores the characters, and you can tell in how he writes Black Adam. Black Adam is fantastic. He is egotistical. He mm-hmm. is smug. He is regal. He is royal. Mm-hmm. He is he is imperious. He is agitating. He is cocky. He is mm-hmm. confident. It is he is self serving. Ab- it, like. it is perfect. It's what makes his character such a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Johns nails it. Nails it. And of course, last but certainly not least, Superman in my book. In my book, and again, look, I, I don't really have a lot of standing when it comes to Superman. He's not a character I've ever cared for. Mm-hmm. He's not a character I read that often. I read him on and off, sure. obviously, but he's not a character I've really cared about. I've always been a Batman guy. Yeah. Um, but to me, nobody currently alive <laughs> in this world writes a better Superman than Jeff Johns. Yeah. Nobody does. He gets the character perfect. He understands what makes Superman so special. And honestly, the only time I really enjoy reading Superman's character mm-hmm. is when Jeff Johns writes it. Yeah. Then I like his character. Mm-hmm. I love his character when Jeff John writes it. Yeah, I get it, and it doesn't hurt that I grew up with Christopher Reeves being my Superman. Yeah, and Gary Frank clearly <laughs> is giving you as close as you're going to get to Christopher Reeve. Yeah, without making it a caricature, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it just it's it's <laughs> it's perfect, and and the way Jeff Johns writes Superman is very similar to how Richard Donner wrote right Christopher Reeves in the first. Mm-hmm. Two Superman movies. Yeah. Uh, it's obvious that's where his inspiration is. Oh, yeah. But it's perfect. You get to see... Superman is hopeful. He is um, inspirational. He's he's inspirational, and he's um, compassionate. You see that in the scenes with Firestorm. You see the compassion. Mm-hmm. You see the you see the inspiration, how he inspires Firestorm. He also gives him compassion to settle him down. Mm-hmm. You see that in the two scenes, and the one in Moscow and the one in the abandoned facility. Perfectly done. You also see the the hopeful, um, aspirational part of Superman when he addresses the public in Moscow, mm-hmm. standing up for what he thinks is right. That is the hopeful, aspirational part of Superman that very few heroes have. But at the same time, what I love about it, even though he is kind and he is compassionate and he is inspirational and he is hopeful and he is aspirational, I like the scene with Black Adam where Black Adam is chest thumping mm-hmm. and trash talking. And Superman, always diplomatic, he mm-hmm. never, he's never going to, Batman would have handled that totally different. Yeah. He trash talks back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman, in response to this trash talking, uh, Black Adam basically calls Superman a, a, fire, a glorified firefighter in a cape. <laughs> that he can't be the one to handle this, to, to be in the forefront of the corrupt uh, Superman theory that Russia and the United States are involved in. Mm-hmm. Superman can't do it because he's just a glorified firefighter in a yeah. cape. <laughs> and Superman's response is, careful, Adam. I didn't get my workout in today, <laughs> but he said. But he says it with with a not an ugly look, but a but a, a stern look, yeah. like a teacher, like a teacher mm-hmm. getting a kid to behave in class. You know yeah. what I mean? Not a mean look, not an angry look, yeah. stern look. And that line, uh, he's not threat. He's not saying I'm gonna beat you. He, yeah. It's the imp- it's the it is the per- it is the perfect line, Stephen. Yeah. It is exactly how Superman would respond to that. Mm-hmm. It is exactly how he would do it. Yeah. It is perfect. Yeah. Because it's not a threat. It's a warning. Right. It's like, we can go. 
if you, I'm giving if you, you an out. Yeah. It is it is so perfect. And mm. because the character work, Stephen, is so phenomenal, the dialogue, every character, Stephen, mm. every character has such a beautiful external voice, unique external voice. I could mm. read this issue to you, you not look at it, and you'd know who was talking. Yeah. It is such good dialogue. The great character work, the good dialogue leads to phenomenal chemistry between all the characters. Yeah. And so it makes it such a compelling story. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, you have the Interesting mystery of Firestorm's powers evolving. Mm-hmm. You have the interesting mystery about what the hell Ozymandias is up to. It's yeah. kind of like how he dropped the alien in the middle of New York mm-hmm. to solve the uh, problems with the world. He's yeah. doing something similar here. Yeah, um, I think I think it seems, at least to me, because the last issue he was very much, look, mm-hmm. John, you need to come back. Like mm-hmm. You need to come say, I think he's trying to... Goad him to come back. Yeah, he's trying to, yeah. to destroy this world right. so that... Dr. Manhattan will come back. Right. And then, of course, the uh, teaser scene of the old black and white footage of the Justice Society of America. Mm. Finally, Stephen. <laughs> Finally. There they are. It has been a long time, my friend, yeah. since the new 52 junk <laughs> the Justice Society of America is coming back. Yep. As all is well. Mm-hmm. All is well, my friend. Uh, <laughs> how would you grade out Doomsday Clock number eight? Um... Well, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. The, um, the decompression is a problem, but I think that putting the focus on Superman and doing such a good job mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. side of things, um, it's still advancing the narrative in the important places. This is, yep. it seems kind of like a, okay, let's catch up with everybody else, mm-hmm. see what's going on here, mm-hmm. and um, the 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 ending, the the fact that. Um, because I'm always because I mean Watchmen got away with it having the real figures. Yes. But every time I see it in another comic book, I'm like, oh my god, like, yeah, let's not go too heavy handed here. But yeah, because it seems like well, yeah, he's Jeff Johns obviously watched the news, but it doesn't seem like a right like a caricature like right. oh I am evil KGB I'm evil I kill Russian. you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do that we didn't and he didn't do that which yeah. I had another another props to him yes. and I mean. I don't think I need to say anything about Gary Frank's art. You He's know, fantastic. If, His if, art is gorgeous. It's if, gorgeous. If it's if it's anything other than great, then we need to check on him. Exactly. Because he's it, it's Ill. stellar. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Yeah. And and he uses the nine panels just like the original Watchmen. Yeah. Very and, effectively. And I'm like, Tom, Tom, can you need to look at this because this is how you do that. <laughs> and that's a damn good point, Stephen. And I I didn't think about that, but you're right. Gary Frank shows how Gary Frank and I guess Jeff Johns too. Yeah. Of course, the both of them together show mm-hmm. how you effectively use the nine panel format, like Dave Gibbons and Alan Moore did mm-hmm. in the original Watchmen. You can use that format and still make it highly effective and highly interesting. Yes. And that's where King totally misses the boat with that nine-panel format. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, I agree. It's not one you use just willy-nilly. Right. It's tough, but... It is hard. You can do it. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Agreed. But, Agreed. Um, and I I just... I'm still just amazed that this is is turning out as good. I mean, I love oh, Me Johns, too. But me too. anytime you, you touch Watchmen, is yeah, such, such a tough thing. Amen. And yes, we're missing all of those characters in this year, except for Ozymandias. Right. But right. you know what? I still found it just as compelling. So yes. I'm going to give, for the decompression, that knocks it down a bit. But mm-hmm. I'm going to give the writing a seven. Okay. And I will give the art, um, I'll give, the, you know, 
I love that. I'm going to do the art of 10. Nice. Because uh, the stuff with the action yes. that we get more of than usual. The, yes. Like it's, yes. I'm going to give it a 10. I love it. Fair enough. I'm right there with you with the story. I'm going to go seven night girls out of 10 for mm-hmm. the story as well. I'll go a little bit less than you for the art. Nine, okay. nine night girls out of 10 for the art. Fantastic issue. This is still, still a great, great, great big event. Yeah. Uh, next up, Stephen, let's go Justice League number 13, shall we? Uh, All right. This issue is brought to us James Tinian the fourth doing the words Gilliam March who I love mm-hmm. doing the art and um, this begins with just uh, with a Joker doing one of his crazy schemes trying to drop some gas on Gotham through a balloon you know <laughs> and he walks into his little headquarters and he sees there is uh, Lex Luthor waiting for him and Lex is like look I need you to come back to Legion of Doom we got some problems Black Man has gotten captured blah mm-hmm. blah blah and uh, no 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 I'm sorry. Oh, this, I apologize. Is before the, this is before the uh, before. I apologize. This is before. This is his recruitment. My bad. <laughs> yes, this is his recruitment into the into the Legion of Doom. Anyhow, point is, he gets him to recruit, but the deal is, Lex cannot uh, work with the Batman who has no name. Uh, whatever yeah. Batman who laughs. laughs. Yeah, the Batman, the, the who Joker laughs. Batman, the Joker Batman. He can't. He can't mm-hmm. deal no, with him at all. We're not doing it. Right. Because the Joker's like that. That's just no good right there. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to now, and we see that, of course, he did, Lex yep. broke the promise. And he, as we saw in some of the prior issues, he's been working with the uh, Batman who laughs, the Joker Batman, and to get information about the totality mm-hmm. and in return for setting him free. Yep. And because of that, um, we see uh, we see that they're trying to bring in, Legion Doom's trying to bring in some new recruits to fill Black Manta's space. So they've got people like you know, Scarecrow and Solomon Grundy and Whid- Riddler and Kronos and Parasite and, and yeah, was a, the, Dr. Shout, Freeze. Shout out Kronos. It's like, Freeze. Kronos? Yeah. That's Kronos. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool, huh? <laughs> and so, unfortunately for them, they all get gassed by the Joker. Mm-hmm. And they all become the Joker's mindless thugs. And mm-hmm. they all attack Lex Luthor, yeah. who's had his armor vandalized and destroyed by the Joker. By the Joker. And yeah. the Joker's basically like, man, you you lied to me. You broke our promise. Mm-hmm. You kept the uh, Joker Batman around. Mm-hmm. And because of that, our deal is off. I'm going to kill. I'm going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that was also part of it was the, and look. I don't need. I don't need. You promised them. I don't need a multiverse. Yeah. And I was gonna. I was gonna do this anyway. But right. you just gave me an excuse. <laughs> right. And so long as short of it as he has Lex Luthor chained up and captured, and he decides that he is going to. Uh, the the best fate for Lex is to let him live, and um, deal with what the Joker Batman is going to do to him. Mm-hmm. That that's his going to be his just punishment. He was going to kill him, and then he decided, no, a better fate for him is to let him deal with his own handiwork and yeah. succumb to whatever horrible fate the Joker Batman has for him. Yeah, because he's because he's trussed up like the Batman who laughs. Like he's that's got right. the chains, and he's hung yep. up like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was implied that the Joker let him go. He did. Yeah, which also mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so then the Joker leaves. He gasses everybody so they regain control of themselves, mm-hmm. right? So everyone's back to normal. Yeah. Lex gets unchained by Gorilla Grodd, and Lex is pissed off. And he's like, you know what? Screw Joker. We don't need him. We don't need anyone else. We got the totality. We're winning. Um, you know, we're good to go. Contact Evo, Dr. Evo, mm-hmm. and uh, we will bring in a new member. None other than 
Brainiac. Brainiac. And we see Evo working on Brainiac uh, because, remember, he died yeah. mm-hmm. in uh, No Justice. Yep. But, of course, you can't keep a good villain down for very long, Steven. <laughs> he is going to be back. And you really can't have a Legion of Doom without Brainiac. I mean, come yeah. on. He's a core member of the Legion of Doom, mm-hmm. just as much as Lex Luthor. So that's you right. got to have him. So that's the end of Justice League 13. Steven, what do you think? Um, I mean, obviously, this is a pause issue. Oh, yeah. But... You know that because Tinian is writing it. Yes. However, for a pause issue, I thought we got a lot of very interesting developments. Maybe something that yes. we should have seen coming. Yes. But not quite in the way that they did it. Correct. I I really like this. Mm-hmm. Um, because, well, first of all, it mostly centers on the Joker, of course. Yes. But... And he writes the Joker in the way that, um, in a similar way that that Scott Snyder and Grant Morrison wrote the Joker. Correct. Yes, he is crazy, but Indeed. he's not stupid. Right. And I, I, I love that because it really plays against the the hubris of Lex Luthor. Correct. Who has been he's he's kind of been sliding down the sanity scale since yes. the Justice, but. The fact that, and this is something that gets brought up every time, is he underestimated the Joker, right? And and it's 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 very satisfying to see to see the the punishment for that. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. Lex obviously he's like, no, I have these people under control, these Sinestro and right. Gorilla Grodd. Yeah, I I have this, mm-hmm. and to tempt fate with the the Batman who laughs is just that, like, dude, you are. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to bring this down on your. You don't need the Justice League. You're going to bring this down on right. yourself. Right. And this is what happens. The Joker let the Batman who last go, and now Lex Luthor is down two members of the Legion of that's Doom. That's right. And that's. I just find that that dynamic they had so fascinating. Yes. It's very much the opposite of Superman and Batman. Agreed. Yes. Where you know they're opposites, but they trust each other. Mm-hmm. And and they butt heads and all, but Lex Luthor and the Joker, mm-hmm. um, Luthor being prideful while Superman's humble, and the Joker being more um, kind of like backstabby and conniving. Yes. While I mean, Batman has those things, but he's not. He's more devoted to the team in a way, mm-hmm. at least nowadays he is. Yes. And there's that, and just the. I mean, I wasn't sure how I felt about the art at first mm-hmm. because it's a little, it's a little, little weird, a little it wonky. It is, and in some scenes, that's kind of, that's kind of bad. But the stuff that's with the Joker, like that, looks so it cool. fits the character. Yeah, I agree. a lot. Totally agree. And as everything falls apart in the Legion of Doom headquarters, I thought it really added to it. Yes. So I really like that, mm-hmm. and. Um, Trying to find other good things to say. Yeah, Marsh's because... <laughs> Joker looks fantastic. Yeah, his Joker looks fantastic. It's 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 awesome. I agree. And there's, I mean, there's some, you know, there's some good lines referencing what the Joker is doing right now with the, um, oh, I go through three personalities for <laughs> breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. So um, I'm interested to see where they go from here because this is actually pretty pretty big for yes. a, a pause issue. So it is. It is. It's a lot. Yeah. 
I mean, you strip away one member and then you add another one. That's mm-hmm. a lot going on in, in, a, in a pause issue. I totally yeah. agree. For a pause issue, this is pretty darn good. Yeah. I can't complain. You get quality, quality character work between Lex Luthor and Joker. Mm-hmm. I think really good character work. You get great dialogue. Both Joker and Lex Luthor have really, really well-defined external voices. Mm-hmm. Very well-defined. And the interplay between the two characters is quite compelling. Yeah. And so that's the strength of this issue, really, mm-hmm. is the character between Joker and Lex Luthor. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a natural progression. They already laid the foundation that the Joker is afraid of Batman Joker, very mm-hmm. much afraid of him. And so I think that um, Joker's always been chaos personified anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense for Joker to not turn on the Legion of Doom at some point. Mm-hmm. Like like he admitted, I was going to do it at some point anyway. Oh, yeah. I just decided to accelerate things because of the Batman Joker. Mm-hmm. And so it, it plays into him being an, it, it, an chaos personified. And it also plays into his fear of Joker Batman. Mm-hmm. And it also plays into Lex's... Um, I guess... It, it, well, obviously he... he is immensely prideful yeah, and that hurts him and his lack of humility hurts him. But it's also showing that his complete focus and drive on the totality is starting to make him act unusually erratic. Yeah. And he's not as cold and calculating as normal, mm-hmm. which, which makes sense as a power mad person when mm-hmm. they have the, the ultimate the power, ultimate power yeah. at their fingertips, they start to kind of lose it. Mm-hmm. So very well done. Yeah, that point as well. And they don't have anybody point that out. It's just you see it you happening see it. right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a great way to show it through the character work, mm-hmm. rather than telling you Lex is really losing it or he's really <laughs> becoming focused. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, even when he gets freed, uh, and Joker leaves and he gets freed, he it, rather than going. We're gonna go kill the Joker. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care about the Joker. Yeah, uh, we got the totality. This is all that matters. He is so he is he, in the panel. He looks like he is hypnotized mm-hmm. by the doorknob. Yeah, he's hypnotized by the totality, and that's all he can think of. Mm-hmm. It's like Ahab and the White Whale, Moby Dick. Yep. He, he he has no <laughs> other thought. And despite how normally, if this was any other time, Lex Luthor would be like, "You're dead." Yeah, I'm coming for you. You're dead, mm-hmm. right? But this this is a great way of showing how almost possessed he's become. Yep, by the totality and this quest of his. Mm-hmm. Really, really good stuff. I mean, it's really good character work that also pushes the storyline forward. That's mm-hmm. a that's a lot to do, Stephen, in a, in a in a pause, pause issue. Yep. Really fleshes out the story. Really mm-hmm. fleshes out the characters' motivations and. Yeah. and that's good stuff. Oh yeah, and then of course the the surprise ending of bringing back Brainiac. I mean, you got to bring Brainiac back. It's Legion yeah. of Doom. You got to have him come back. And it also, and that's and that's a, a player that um, it's like, <laughs> ooh, Brainiac is like it's like Joker plus Lex Luthor times ten. Like he's yeah. the most dangerous in my book. At least I've always read I've always read Brainiac as being the most dangerous one. Yeah, I would. He's a psychotic the Legion of Doom. Yeah, he's, he's as psychotic as the Joker. Mm-hmm. He's as cold and calculating as Lex as Luthor, Luthor yeah. but smarter than everybody. Oh yeah. So and, he's the scariest one to me. Yeah, and I, it's and it shows that 
there's something about about Lex is that and they look when Brainiac comes online, he's gonna see what you are now, right? And that's not gonna be good for you, right? It, it's there's just no way this is gonna work out. No. And I just, I love that because I mean, first of all, a you know a crazy a, a man like Lex Luthor going crazy is extremely dangerous. Absolutely. And but because even with the Legion of Doom falling apart, you like well okay so what. Normally, it'd be like, well, what's why do they need the Justice League? They're just going to fall apart anyway. But no, as they point out through the character work that this is still a dangerous time right. that they need to be stopped. Right. Because as things go on... They still have the totality. Yeah. They so still they're still the winning. Technically, they're still winning. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and with Lex still losing it and all that, that means that anything could happen. Agreed. And I also like that the, it also reinforces the basic theme that you need to have in any mainstream superhero title, mm-hmm. that heroes equal friendship yeah. and villains equal egotism. Yes. So I like I like that. Oh, yeah. Good classic themes there. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> what'd you think? Uh, Just League number 13, how'd you grade it out? Um, I will give, I'll give the writing a an 8. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will give the art, I'll give the art a 7. Because it was a little yeah. hit or miss at some points, mm-hmm. but when it really needed to be good it was good yes i'm gonna be very close to you i'll give the writing seven that girls out of ten sure. slightly lower than you and mm-hmm. the art i'm right in line with you seven that girls out of ten as well you just so. don't like pause issues it's okay i know <laughs> i know i know <laughs> but another good solid issue again justice oh, league yeah. is just a great title it's just mm-hmm. a fantastic title uh snyder and tinian deserve a lot of credit yes uh steven Let's check out one of the number one issues, shall we? Sure. Martian Manhunter number one. This is a 12-issue maxi-series, my mm-hmm. friend. Uh, this issue is, you know, okay, first of all, I have to say something before we get into the issue itself. I Please just, do. It's just a little odd little observation. First of all, the creative team is Steve Orlando doing the words, mm-hmm. Riley Rosmo doing the art. I'm not familiar with Riley Rosmo at all. Mm-hmm. I am very familiar with Steve Orlando. Yeah. Uh, what's great is the cover of the issue. You know, they always try to put like a little splash thing, like sure. a little quote from somebody saying, this is a great issue. Right? <laughs> and that's a great idea. Yeah. And on this one, it's, you know, brilliant, bold, and bloody. Orlando and Rosmo use a ch- thrilling superhero noir to explore identity and alienation in modern America. What? When's the next one out already? Tom King. And then in parentheses, Batman, comma, Mr. Miracle, in parentheses. So, DC, <laughs> if you want to put a little snippet of a positive review on your front, uh, the cover of your of your comic, try to pick someone who's not on your payroll because it just makes them look like a shill, yeah. not an actual, like, neutral review telling mm-hmm. you this is worth it. What's Tom King going to say? I'm taking you big fat checks, DC. Don't buy this issue. It sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah, really? I, I agree with that. Yeah. Come on now, people. Yeah. So, anyhow. <laughs> no, it's not like they were gonna... It's just odd. Yeah, I mean, it, it is odd. I do agree with that. It's um, it's like when you... Well, it's not like this. Like, I remember when I first bought uh, the the comic Black Sad. The, yes. Uh, the very uh, yep. anthropomorphized animal noir stuff. Great book. But on the cover is a quote. It says, as good as it gets, and it says, Stanley. Yes. If that's not a recommendation, yes. I don't know what is. I, exactly. It's like, I have to get this now. Bingo. <laughs> now, that's a good recommendation there. Yeah, and he's, he doesn't work for Dark Horse, so. Exactly. See, that's how you do it. Yes. This is not how you do it. Yes. Uh, anyway. Anyhow. <laughs> I digress. Exactly. Uh, we begin with, uh, you know, Mars uh, uh, being consumed by fire. Mm-hmm. That's how they all died. Yep. And John is the only survivor. Well, one of a few. Yeah. And. There's some white Martians out there. Correct. 
And then we cut to John in his human form as a police detective. Mm -hmm. And we see him going to... We cut back to a few years ago. So we're flashing back to kind of... I don't know if this is origin story time or whatever. Yeah. Um, But it says you see his partner. John has a partner. He's this white middle-aged lady. He's got like a soccer mom haircut. Um, (laughs) It's like soccer mom haircut on steroids. It's amazing. (laughs) It's so bad. It is really hideous looking. Um, It really is. And her her outfit is so 1980s. This should be like 30 years ago. Um, Anyhow, her name is Diane. (laughs) Which is also a really 80s name too. (laughs) Diane. So anyhow, they, 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 they go off to investigate a murder scene. It's a bloody, gruesome murder scene. Of this family, and and John's using a telepathy to try to figure, you know, search the, one of the girls' rooms, one of the children's rooms, to find out who who's the murderer, and whatever. And anyhow, during the whole, while he's using his telepathy, he sees um, fright foam, mm-hmm. which must be something from Mars. Yeah. Okay. And he collapses to the ground. And then his partner Diane walks in, and she's like, "What's going on? Are you okay?" And he's like, "Oh, okay. I'm just, you know, shaking things off." Yeah. Then we cut back to even before the before. <laughs> We're really going back when he lived on Mars and he was a manhunter on Mars. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a police eight, uh, police officer on Mars. Yeah. And we see him doing his job, being a cool police officer and kicking butt. And he goes home and he hugs his little ugly larvae of a baby. <clears throat> because Martians kind of have like a goopy, like, I don't, I don't know what kind of shape they have. It's just kind of like this... I don't know, goopy, yeah. goopy, random shape. I don't know. It, it, they don't have really any f- des- specifically designed form. Yeah. And she tells, the wife, of course, is like, you know, oh, John, transform out of your Manhunter look, which is, you know, cool-looking Martian yeah. man that we normally know him mm-hmm. as, into that weird, gross-looking buggy yeah. thing. And then they go to have sex, Stephen. And I, seriously, I, I I wanted to tap out of the issue. At this point. <laughs> I, I just I, I don't I don't it's it's not my fetish. It's not my thing. I mean I guess it's something you didn't need to know. I guess you know like tentacle porn. Let's put this right there with tentacle porn. Like I'm sure someone thought this was hot and awesome and, and they need to go away. Um <laughs> um it they just they get they kind of morph into I don't know what it is, a blobby mess of a weird gelatinous blobby. Yeah, it's like if you put a bunch of greens in a blender and then it froze it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 even worse, we get the dialogue of the sex. I'm like, I, they're like, it's like they go from saying I to we as they're blobbing together. Yeah. And then it's just, we, we, we're, ah, we're, we. I'm just like, oh, this is just so gross. It is gross. It is gross. Like, that kind of dialogue would be gross if it was just two people just doing it all. And I'd be like, okay, moving to the next page. Don't need that. Don't need to hear your sex dialogue. You know what I mean? But it's even grosser when it's just like blobby green goop all gooped together with random teeth and eyeballs everywhere. It's just so, it is so I'm like I'm done with this issue. I'm I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Done. And they kind of morph back into their 
weird alien bodies and <laughs> she's all mad at him because evidently when you have sex you have to open your mind up completely to the other person and he has part of his mind walled off and he says it's because of his job as a cop he doesn't want to expose the horrors and whatever whatever mm-hmm. and well, I, I do like her response which is I work at the clinic and I show you everything right yes Ooh. <laughs> I know. And, and I'm just like what a more horrific I can't think Stephen of a more horrific concept of your spouse knowing everything in your mind. That seems yeah. like the most horrific thing possible. I would run screaming away from that. <laughs> that might be even more gross than the sex talk and the screaming and the blobby green teeth yeah. eye thing. We then cut back to not to just the before, not the before, but the before, but the before <laughs> when he's on earth as a cop, he's with Diane. They're driving <laughs> to Diane. Diane. <laughs> and evidently he sees his, he starts hallucinating his little and sees his little baby blob of a son. Mm-hmm. I think it was a son. They don't really tell you. They don't really say, yeah. It's Baby Blobby. And mm-hmm. he slams on the brake and loses control of the car, and they hit a tree, and it's all on fire, and it's not good because fire means uh, death to Martians. Yes. And Diane looks over at John, and he's no longer a human. He's now in Martian form, and he is melting away. Yeah, he looks like he's melting. That's not good. And mm-hmm. Diane's like, what the hell are you? Diane. Diane. Shut up, Diane. (laughs) Nobody asked your opinion, Diane. You can take you, your 1980s outfit, your 1980s brooch on your your collar, uh, and your soccer mom haircut and get the hell out. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, Steven, Martian Manhunter number one. What'd you think? Well, um... (laughs) Okay, so... I'm trying. I'm trying to you know find what's really the words. Stephen, before you tell me, yes, John did not consume a single Oreo. Oreo in this. How is there not a package of Oreos in his car? Yeah, as they were driving. How is that possible? Hmm. I just, I, that is a good point. Makes no sense, Stephen. It's wrong. I say wrong. I say. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> um. Okay. So. I do. I. I like. I think it's just I'm so I'm so because it's a 12 issues yes. I'm sure there's a a whole point they're going towards. Yes. So there's a lot that's just put out there in front of you. It is vomited on the page in no in no apparent in no particular order to rhyme me. or reason. <laughs> and plotline boggle. Yes, because <laughs> there's as far as I know, there's two things that they're going with here. There's the mystery on Earth. Yes. And then there's whatever's going on on Mars. Because they yes. they make they pay they make reference to the crazy um, uh, cult leader who started the fire curse that Correct. ultimately killed everybody. Yes. So I wonder if that's part of it. There may have been when he's doing his badass manhunter thing. Yes. And some they're talking about like. You know something that's going on on Mars. Maybe that's also another plot line. I'm not sure. Yes. Um. So I'm. And then there's Diane. <laughs> then there's Diane. 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 Um. <laughs> it's so it's it's not that I didn't like it per se. It's just I'm not sure how I feel about like everything as like as a cohesive whole, like as a st- structured. Story. There is no structure to the story. There is not. Um, now it's, maybe it's, it's that's an issue by design. Put in a blender and gooped out on the page. Yeah, and if that's what 
they were going for. They definitely succeeded. Mission, yes, mission accomplished. You did it. <laughs> and the thing is, like, um, Riley Rossma's art, um, I have heard of him before. Oh, you have? Okay. And um, he was the artist on Cowboy Ninja Viking. Okay. Got it. Yes. Which is, you know, the story is about killers who have multiple personalities. Yes. Personalities are all archetypes of something. Right. And so it's very schizophrenic. Yep. The story itself, yep. it's, I mean, it's still good, but mm-hmm. it, it fits. It's one of those stories that shouldn't work, but it does. And the yes. art, art matches that. Yes. This one, um, the stuff on Earth, I thought was a little, if I'm being honest, a little atrocious. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. There, there are some that... It's terrible. Yeah, that some look like it's maybe a weird like animated Twin Peaks almost kind of thing, like the, where they uh, find the murder scene, yeah. and they're just kind of this, this weird whatever. The stuff on Mars, I thought, looked really cool. Because it fit the weird kind of yeah. wacky vibe of Mars anyway, because it kind of feels like a nonsensical world in the first yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. And I do... That's the first time, at least in DC, I've seen Mars portrayed that way. So I thought that was interesting. Yes. Like, okay, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's that's kind of hit or miss. Um, the writing, the writing without actual, you know, stuff to go forward with. Like, okay, this is what we're going with. I mean, the stuff with the mystery, like the there's some iguana that apparently somehow grew large, and there's the fright foam stuff. Which is mentioned in one of the flashbacks, so that yes. is from Mars. So you know it's from Mars. And it's like, okay, well, there's something there, I guess, to go on with the mystery, but yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's just, it's. I think, honestly, it's it's too much. Uh, yes. It's too much at you too fast. It is. And. Without rhyme or reason. Yes. It's like a shotgun blast of plot ideas. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree I'm with that. I'm just going to fire all this at the wall and see what sticks. Let's go. Yeah, and I mean, 12 issues, I mean, that's a lot to tell a story. It is. To tell one story, it but is. Yes. I do wish we maybe could have just picked one or the other and just gone with that. I completely agree. Yeah. I think this was too ambitious. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 uh, I, honestly, I thought Martian Manhunter number one was a hot mess. <laughs> I'm not going to go dumpster fire yet, sure. but it's for sure a hot mess. It looks, it, it, there looks to be, and you, you hit the nail on the head, exactly. The mm-hmm. plotting is, and, and the plotting and pacing are just, it's it's schizophrenic mess. Yeah. It's it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. The, story, the story just, it goes from scene to scene to scene to scene to scene, yeah. but without any logic, mm-hmm. without any, there appears to be no actual clear objective. You do, it doesn't seem like Orlando has an actual clearly scripted and plotted story in mind. Mm-hmm. It just feels like he's like just throwing stuff out wildly. Yeah. But it does not feel like it's the exact opposite of like Doomsday Clock where mm-hmm. you can tell Jeff Johns created a meticulous framework for the story mm-hmm. beginning, middle, and end with every single plot line and where they fit in that beginning, middle, and before he ever started writing the first issue. Yeah. I mean, a detailed plot line timeline for the story mm-hmm. mapping out everything i mean i can just envision jeff johns's mind map being phenomenally detailed yeah. before you ever <laughs> put pen to paper to write the first mm-hmm. word of dialogue yeah and i feel like here Orlando's just doing it as he goes along yeah and that without without a really really tightly plotted outline mm-hmm. 
you lose track of things yeah. and you lose your direction and your, and, and your point and purpose at times. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like. He did not do a really well, a really well done, um, a really well done blueprint for the story. Yeah. You, you get that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and honestly, the, the, the story on earth is boring it feels very generic. Yeah, it feels like generic cop drama. It does. It which, feels super generic cop drama. Yeah, which, I mean, if if they were going to lean into like a weirdness factor with that, that would have been one thing. Right. But I don't know what they're going to do with it yeah. because they don't spend enough time on it. <laughs> right. And the stuff on Mars is just, it's just, it's it's too, it's, it's, the it the the tentacle porn <laughs> sex stuff that we it's just it makes everything just like yeah I don't want to be here like l- this is all kind of skeezy and why yeah. did they and I also don't like that they made I, I always viewed John as the ultimate in compassion mm-hmm. and empathy and they made him so racist on Mars mm-hmm. he's calling other Martians white skins and gold skins and clearly viewing them as less than the the green skins. He is so racist. And maybe he goes through a transformation where he doesn't become racist anymore, but I just yeah. don't like I just seeing John as a racist jackbooted cop. Mhm. Yeah, he's just too jarring for you don't transform from racist jackbooted cop to benevolent, kind, sympathetic, empathetic, almost Buddhist. Mm-hmm. style character yeah you, you you don't make that much of a transformation mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying it's too discordant yeah i think so that didn't work for me either and the, it just it just felt very messy yeah. very messy and the dialogue i thought was very bland nobody had a personality yeah nobody had a personality there was zero character work nobody has a personality all the dialogue is just very generic bland dialogue mm-hmm. and um and the chemistry between the characters, there is no chemistry between the characters mm-hmm. at all. There's, there's, there just yeah. isn't, you know? And then the art, I'm with you, the art, yeah. On Earth, I think the art is just, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not good, Steven. And at least the art on Mars made sense because Mars is such a Weird nonsensical place, place yeah. that the art works much better in Mars. Mm-hmm. But on Earth, it doesn't work at all. Yeah. At all. And I, am I supposed to find Diane hilariously comical in her appearance? Is, is she being played for laughs? Is she being drawn for laughs? Because <laughs> if, if he's drawing her for laughs, then kudos, you win, because she looks ridiculous. <laughs> to the point where, like, you can't take the character serious <laughs> at all. And you just start joking about Diane. Yeah, that's... You know that, what I mean? Yeah, that's why I'm so confused about what they're trying to do, because, I mean, yeah, there's gruesome murder scene, and he's a detective, and she's also a detective, but she looks so goofy and acts so goofy at certain points yeah. that you're like, is this a joke? Right! Like, am I supposed to be laughing at this? Right! You don't know when you're supposed to be laughing. Exactly. That's so, the problem. And I have a feeling Diane became more of a joke with the two of us than she was supposed to be. <laughs> like, I think she's hilarious, but I think for the wrong reasons, though. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I don't think that Orlando did a really good job of telling the reader why you need to come back for more. Yeah. What's the mission I'd statement? I agree with that. What's the mission statement? Yeah. 
you don't you don't get an idea. Is this going to be a sci-fi title? Is it going to be a crime noir title? Is it both? Is it both? Is 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 going to be mystery? Is going to be action adventure? Is it going to be sci-fi? Is it going to be high concept? Is this going to be what what is it going to be? I don't yeah. know. You don't know. You don't know. And so I don't know what incentive do you have to come back for the next issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know. How do you grade out Martian Manhunter number one? Um. Uh, ooh, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> oh man, man, that's. I think you should go first. I'm, I'm, I'm really. Are you stumped? stumped. I'm stumped. I'm legit right. stumped. I will go uh, four night girls out of ten for the writing. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's structurally sound, right. technically well done. And the art, I will go five night girls out of ten because uh, Mars is okay, Earth sucks. So split the middle, five night girls out of ten. Yeah, I was thinking five for the art, um, which is just a disappointment. I love I love that Cowboy Ninja Viking series. Mm-hmm. And part, his art is a big part of why I like it. Mm-hmm. But um, the writing, I mean... Mm. I guess I'll I'll do the same as you four. That makes sense. I was mm-hmm. gonna go to five, but I'm like, well, I don't. That's it's not really middle of the road though. I'm mm-hmm. so confused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How I should feel about this? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. If if it's if a number one issue leaves me like that, then yeah. it, it goes below a five. It, it it's a fail for me. It's a fail, and I, I don't really want to come back for more. And yeah. I like and, I, and I'm a fan of Martian Manhunter. I like his character a lot. Oh, me too. But once again, I think that God, that guy just can't. He just. God, can't catch a break. He can't catch a break when people do a comic for him, can they? They just have to do weird shit with him. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate. Poor guy. He's a great character. I wish someone would just give us a straight up, nice, classic Martian Manhunter tale that mm-hmm. people could really get behind. Anyhow, speaking of classic. Classic. And something you can get behind, Steven. Shazam number one. <laughs> this issue, my is friend. A spoiler? Yes, it is. Nah. Yes, it is. This issue brought to us the words by Jeff Johns, the art by the modern Jack Kirby, Dale yeah. Eagle Sham. Mm-hmm. Colors by Mike Atia. Boy, I probably killed that last name. Anyhow, it begins with telling us how uh, Billy Batson stumbled across the Rock of Attorney. The Rock of Attorney had been around for a long, long time, and it had been run by the Council um, of, uh, of Eternity group of seven wizards and wizards and sorceresses and that the seven sins were freed by the dark champion and all of the council were slaughtered except for one. That'd be the last wizard mm-hmm. Shazam himself. And the rock of eternity went into hiding until a champion was needed. And we see Billy Batson finding the rock of eternity and the wizard going, Oh, this is no task for someone like you. And then the wizard looked in Billy's heart, saw a, a, his, uh, look past the uh, child the, of, of many foster homes, bouncing between many foster homes, always uh, being a troublemaker. He saw a good heart, a uh, child, who, a boy who stood up for those who were bullied, um, one who looked out for other people despite his own misfortunes and found him to be worthy. And before the wizard died, he gave him all of his powers. And therefore, Billy Batson became Shazam, but he had no mentor, he had no teacher. And he was forced to discover everything on his own. And then at a time of desperation, he's basically recapping everything that we got roughly with the New 52 Shazam sure. reboot. Mm-hmm. That in a time of, frustra- uh, of great need, uh, Billy cast a, a, uh, his most powerful spell and blessed some of his 
powers to his family that he loved, the Shazam family. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. We get the Shazam family. Because we can't call it the Marvel family anymore. That's right. It's got to be the Shazam family. Mm-hmm. So it was basically recapping the version of the Shazam family that we got with the New 52. But what I like, Stephen, is that John's made a lot of changes. Yeah. Wisely. <laughs> Even though it's the same characters, he made a lot of changes. Sure. Thematically, stylistically. It's mm-hmm. quite jar- It's quite quite noticeable. Yeah. And so <laughs> we begin with Billy and Freddie Freeman on a uh, school trip at the uh, Museum of Revolutionary War. I think they're and in Philly, aren't they? They are in Philadelphia. They're yeah. a Philadelphia-based team. And of course, you know, Freeman's like, Freddie's like, this is lame. And Billy's like, shh. And they're like, this is so boring. And then suddenly some criminals show up and they're wearing these silk ma- Halloween masks, old school Halloween masks from like the 60s and 70s, you know, with the <laughs> Silver Age Wonder Woman, yeah. Silver Age Batman, Silver Age Green Lantern, Silver Age Flash. And Freddy's like, yeah, time for some action. And Billy immediately goes, Shazam! Turns into Captain Marvel. It's an awesome hero shot, by yeah. the way. Awesome hero shot. The bad mm-hmm. guys start shooting at him. Bullets bounce off his chest. The criminal's like, oh no, he's bulletproof. They start freaking out. And before... Billy can take out the criminals. You see more lightning, mm-hmm. Shazam lightning, and you see the rest of the Shazam family there. You have Freddy in his Captain Marvel Jr. look. Mm-hmm. You see Mary Marvel. Mm-hmm. You see uh, Darla. You see Eugene. And you see Pedro. Yep. So this is the New 52 styled Shazam family. Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't like the New 52 Shazam family. Do not worry if you didn't like them. Don't worry. <laughs> Jeff Johns heard your criticisms. Yes. He did, to his credit. Mm-hmm. He heard them. And so we see our Shazam family taking everybody down. And they each have their own different power. They didn't mm-hmm. get unique pa- They didn't get the same powers. Sure. Uh, Darla is super fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eugene can shoot electricity and talk to machines. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pedro is super, super strong. And I think that Mary and Freddie still, I'm not too sure, but they always had the exact same powers as Shazam. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they still do. It appears that they do, but I'm not too sure yet. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Anyhow, uh, after it's all done, the police show up and go, who's you, you know, talking to Mary and, and, and Billy in mm-hmm. their retire, yeah. Shazam <laughs> outfits. And they're like, oh, who, who should we say rescue to stop the criminals? And they're like, uh, you know. Who's in charge? And both Mary's like, I am. Billy's like, I am. They're like, no. Billy's like, I was first. And Mary's like, well, I'm older. And then <laughs> the rest of the same family comes in and goes, oh, I think we should vote on a leader. And Pedro's like, well, I'm the strongest. And then, you know, Freddie's like, vote? This is crap. I'm, not, I'm out. We're not voting on anything. <laughs> and then the cop's like, I'm just going to put down Superman. <laughs> and the whole thing is they can't decide on a name for their group. Yeah. They can't decide on their own individual code names. And it's poking fun. I like it. Poking fun at the fact they can't use Captain Marvel yeah. because of Marvel and the, owning the. Uh, trademark on it so mm-hmm. it's it's a good way to poke fun at what do we call them what do we call them yeah that's cute <laughs> i liked it then we cut to the vasquez foster home and we see the kids there they come racing down for dinner and they're still talking about what what code name they should have and then uh, we see that they're making the, the vasquez made lasagna for billy because it's his one year anniversary at the foster home mm-hmm. and it's just it's a really cool moment that uh, uh you have uh Mr. Vasquez sits down. He's like, all right, kids, let's talk about this time for family talk. Tell mm-hmm. me about your school days. Yeah. And Darla's like, oh, Billy and Freddy's, you know, school trip, the criminals attacked them. And then, you know, the new superheroes showed up and they're called, and Pedro's like, they're called the Thunder Squad. And Freddy's like, that's not their name. <laughs> and then, you know, they get some more names. Like, 
whatever, whatever. It, it's, it's really well done, and they all start saying it. They're called the Sparkly Friends. No, they're the Lightning League. No, they're the Super Sorcerers. No, they're the Philadelphia <laughs> Wizards. No, they're the Magic Men. It's, just, it's, it's funny. Yeah. And then after dinner, they're like, all right, we're going to race upstairs and do homework. Hey, homework. And uh, the Vasquez kiss, and they're like, you know, good kids. You know, it's amazing how far they've come. Billy wouldn't even look at the others a year ago, and now mm-hmm. they're a real family. And they're all good kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we see the kids. Um, upstairs and they're entering the magical door that takes him to the uh, Rock of Eternity mm-hmm. and we see like they have their little treasure area which is basically the mask from the yeah. criminals and they're like Darla's A on a quiz she got <laughs> and Freddy's like we need to really up our game on our on our, on our trophy collection um, and then Eugene sh- shows up and he's like man he goes oh we see Darla made like a little Shazam family headquarters banner mm-hmm. and she's like you like it she goes we're a family and Billy's like it's awesome I love it very yeah. cool and then Eugene's like, guys, you gotta come with me. I found something. And he goes, I've been mapping this whole Rock of Eternity, and there are a lot of rooms with dead ends and and uh, stuff like that, you know. But um, you know, strange hallways, books, whatever. But I found this one area that was walled off, and now there's an opening, and they walk into it. And it's big, huge, vaulted ceilings, and they got all these subway trains, old school trains, underground trains coming in from different tunnels. Mm-hmm. And he goes, this is called the station. And they're like, what is this? And there's a big giant map that says the Magic Lands mm-hmm. and it has maps of all sorts of stuff. And then you see like um, uh, a big on-off switch, mm-hmm. you know, very steampunk looking. <laughs> and Billy's – and they see the one of the big trains and they're like, what is all this? And then we come back to the Vasquez cleaning up for after dinner and uh, they hear someone knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. And then we come back to the kids and Billy's like, don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. And Freddie's like, Pedro, come over here. Let's turn the switch on. Let's turn the switch on. And, they, and Billy's like, no. They turn the switch on, all this, you know, it says magic on. <laughs> and it has all that like Shazam energy coming out of it. Yeah. And then we cut back to Mr. and Mrs. Vasquez opening the door, and it is none other than Billy Batson's father. Mm-hmm. He looks like Shazam. Yeah. And that is the end of the main story. Then you get a backup story by Jeff Johns and the art by Mayo N- Naito, who is a uh, manga artist. Mm hmm. And it's basically the origin story of Mary. We see that her her mom and dad beat her. We were physically abusive and, ment- and mentally and emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. She ran away one Christmas, and um, she's found by the police, and they take her somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. And she ends up at the Vasquez's foster home, and Freddie is the first child there. He's already there, and Freddie won't talk to her at all, yeah. and he ignores her. And you see one day, a couple weeks later, uh, Freddie and 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 uh, Mary are at the pet shop, and we see the pet shop owner saying, "Hey, we got a call from Doctor Savannah. He needs another rabbit for the lab." Yeah, Doctor Savannah, classic, classic Shazam family villain. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, Freddie goes, "You know, I've been watching you, Mary. You're a rule follower. You're a good girl. You always say thank you and yes, please." Mm-hmm. He goes, "I get it. You don't want to cause problems. You want to stay home, and you want to. You're a good rule follower. I get it." He goes, "But me." I like to get into trouble, and I've been itching <laughs> for a reason to pull this fire alarm. And I figure you want to get the rabbit out of here, mm-hmm. and I want a reason to pull that fire alarm. <laughs> so let's make this happen. So he pulls the fire alarm, and you see like all the animals. They've lo- let loose a whole bunch of animals. They're all like you know, flying out and crawling out and running out of the pet shop, right? And you see Mary and Freddie going one way, and Freddie's laughing, and she's holding the rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just really it's, it's it's cool. And then they're back at home. And you see it's now present day where Mary and Darla are talking and Mary's just wrapping up. So that's how I became part of the family. That's how Mm -hmm. I came here. And after that day, Freddie and I became super fast friends and became real families. And this is, this is when this home became a real home for me. And, um, then they get a call from Billy 
and it's not Billy, it's actually Freddy, and mm-hmm. this is from the scene at the very beginning of the issue yeah. where they're at the, at the museum, the, at the, museum yeah. and the criminals are attacking, it's Freddy <laughs> telling them to get the whole Shazam family and come to the scene, that's why they all appeared, Yeah. and so the girls say, Shazam, let's get the other ones and let's go, mm-hmm. and they fly out to get the other ones, and then we see behind a little lightning bolt for the Shazam power hits the rabbit. Mm-hmm. And we learn <laughs> that the rabbit, because she calls, Mary calls the rabbit, I believe she, ca- yeah, Hoppy. She calls him Hoppy. Yes. And the <laughs> rabbit gets hit by the Shazam electricity, and the rabbit then breaks out of the cage, uses, uses the electricity <laughs> to break out of the cage, and uh, flies off into the air. <laughs> and that is the end of the issue. Yes. Uh First of all, I have to say, yeah. so people that don't know the Captain Marvel franchise, it has a very long history of anthropomorphic animals. Mm-hmm. Tony the Tiger. <laughs> um, and another one is Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. Hoppy the Marvel Bunny, <laughs> first created in Fawcett's Funny Animals Number 1 mm-hmm. in 1942. And it, it, there's another one like Willie the Worm. There's, there's a whole bunch of them, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony the Tiger is probably the most famous one from the yeah. franchise. Mm-hmm. But Hoppy the Marvel Bunnies, he's up there. Of course, he looked more like an anthropomorphic rabbit. Right. Than just a with a Shazam rabbit. costume on. But mm-hmm. anyhow, I thought this was a super cute touch. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I really did. I, 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 what I liked about this issue, Stephen, mm-hmm. I went nuts for this issue. Yeah. And what's crazy is I've, I've always loved Shazam. And I hated the New 52 Shazam. Yeah. And I think the problem with the New 52 Shazam is they made um, th- these kids, they made it Billy, they, was, they were, it was too dark. Yeah. It was too angry. Mm-hmm. It was too dark. It angsty. was too angsty. It just, it, it, yeah. that's not the Shazam franchise. Shazam franchise is over the top positive, mm-hmm. over the top fun and friendly and bright and and childlike Mm -hmm. that's what it's about it always has been that way and to make it dark and grim and angsty is completely wrong that's where the new 52 screwed it up totally jeff johns goes out of his way Mm -hmm. out of his way to say look i screwed up yeah my bad here this is the same family is super positive to the point where some people might go this is almost saccharine with the way the kids all run down to yeah. dinner and they're so excited and the way they talk to about their day and the way they all run upstairs going homework <laughs> and it, but 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 it reminds you like those kid movies mm-hmm. you know yeah uh, where they're all like super positive and super excited mm-hmm. and awesome friends and yeah. you know and then even the scene with Darla hanging the banner and Billy go yeah we are a family that's awesome I love it Darla and she's like you like it I love it Yay. you know it I can see where people think it's might go it's almost too positive and yeah. too too childlike too naive I say no it's not yeah I think it's perfect I loved it I love that childlike innocent positive excited bright vibe of the mm-hmm. story, it has that mat, and it plays in with magic. Anything can happen. Yeah, you know, you get the the characters are so bright and positive, and the setting is all about magic and imagination, and the whole magic lands and the Rock of Eternity. It's like Narnia 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you discovered this world of magic in the closet, and it's it's fantastical creatures and fantastical things where anything can happen, and we're gonna have this fun, awesome adventure together. Mm-hmm. It that's it, it, it captures that childlike sense of adventure of of magical realms of anything is possible, and you're only limited by your imagination. Mm-hmm. It totally mm-hmm. captures that, and it's sweet, and it's innocent, and it's I love it. I love yeah. every second of it. And I love all the characters. And I know some people may not like the reimagining the Shazam family, but it, look, it's 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 2018. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to roll out. Yeah. You're not just going to roll out Freddie Freeman, Mary Marvel, and Billy Batson and call it a day. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's 2018. Just, I don't know what to tell you. If you can't wrap your head around that, then I, I, I don't know what to tell you anymore. Okay? Yeah. I like it. I think it's a foster home. It is very natural for a foster home to have kids from all different areas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. From all different walks of life, from all different cultures. I like it, mm-hmm. and I like the mix. It's perfect. You got Billy and Freddie and Mary. Clo- Billy and Mary in their classic forms. Mm-hmm. Freddie, okay, they made him a blonde. Well, the reason they made him a blonde because Freddie looked just like Billy, and they were impossible to tell the two yeah. from each other, okay? So I have zero problem with them making Freddie a blonde. If you if that is really a hang up for you, then I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, I mean, you can you can go see the movie because he's not blonde in the movie. I, 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 I mean, I I, I, I <laughs> thought making him blonde made sense because yeah. he looked too much like Billy before. Mm-hmm. So I had no problem with that zero because the same personality. He still acts like Freddie. Yeah. Um, and I love Eugene mm-hmm. because he adds. I like his kind of like the nerdy brainy kid yeah i like it i love pedro he's awesome he's <laughs> like just this big meathead yeah he reminds me of my older son it's fantastic um <laughs> and i love darla because she's just adorable yeah she's just adorable and what i love about it is these five act like real kids steven yeah nobody here is a stem program um you know prodigy yeah okay Nobody here is um, a uh, trained from birth ninja. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, these are real kids. Yep. They act like real kids. Mm-hmm. Pedro and Freddie act like every lunkhead friend I had mm-hmm. in high school. I want to get in trouble. I want to do stupid <laughs> stuff. They act like every teenage boy mm-hmm. that I've ever known. Okay, uh, Eugene acts like you're. You've seen the kid who's a little awkward. Little mm-hmm. socially uncomfortable. He he fits. See, you get both versions of teenage boy. You mm-hmm. get the awkward one, and you get the lunkheads. Yeah, <laughs> right. You just you just want to you just want to be mischief, mischievous and get in trouble. Yeah, but they're good. Yeah, they just want to get in a little mischief. That's what <laughs> boys do. Boys like mischief. They always have. Yeah. Um, and then you have Mary, who is kind mm-hmm. and a good kid. And is a rule follower and does want to please people mm-hmm. and is and and sees herself as a uh, as the rule follower and the pleaser sees herself as the proper role model to tell yeah. everybody else what to do and and as, which is very and typical as a leader yeah which yeah. is very typical the rule following the rule <laughs> following good kid yeah. thinks that they should be the leader yeah right that's totally normal and then Darla acts like she's like my niece she acts like she acts like your typical just girl. She's just sweet. Yeah. 
and nice and excited and excited and has a lot of exuberance, <laughs> but just but I love they all feel real. Yes. No one here is super genius. Mm-hmm. You know, a uh, uh, super fighter. Yeah. They feel like real kids, which you don't get in comics anymore. They have to be idealized version of whatever you're pushing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that goes with any kid. Oh uh, yeah. These feel like real kids to me. Mm-hmm. And the chemistry is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and the character is phenomenal. You can tell Jeff Johns loves the character. He loves all the characters. I love this setting. I, I think Jeff Johns does everything a number one issue has to do. He sets out the objective. He sets out, he installs a couple of plot lines to begin with, a couple of big plot lines. You got yeah. the Rock of Eternity. You mm-hmm. got the station. You've got the Magic Lands. You've got Billy Batson's dad. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot going on in just one issue, Stephen. That's a lot. Yeah, that's he right. introduces you to the whole family. He introduces you to all the supporting characters, and mm-hmm. he introduces you to the setting. And the two main settings are the Vasquez Foster Home and the Rock of Eternity. And those two settings are just as much of characters as the actual people. Mm-hmm. And you get a good feel. Again, Jeff Johns is a world builder, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and the, he fleshes out a setting that is highly detailed, complex, and immersive. Mm-hmm. And he moves the purpose. He moves the direction. You know what you're going to get in store. You know what kind of genre you're going to get. You know mm-hmm. what kind of vibe and theme you're going to get with the title. Yeah. You know what you're expected to get on this title. Oh, yeah. I cannot praise what he did. He, sign of a good writer, he saw where he screwed up with the New 52. Yeah. And he did a complete course correction. Mm-hmm. So do not skip on this just because you hate the New 52 version of the Shazam family. Yeah. He fixed the problems Trust me. Yeah, he fixed the problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, would you? What, how was your? What, uh, how did you look at it? <laughs> um. Well, actually, I was unfamiliar with the rest of the kids. Like, I knew Billy and Mary mm-hmm. and Freddie, of course, from the classic, you know, Marvel family. Right. But, um, so I didn't know any of. The, I mean, I knew it was darker, and that's why I, I didn't pick. It. I heard it was right. like, oh, dark and gray, and like, no, it I'm was. not. I'm not doing that. That's not, that's not Shazam. It's not, yeah, it's not Shazam. It's not. It's not the because like one of the things that always annoys me when people talk about well, why are they making a Shazam movie? Isn't he just like Superman? It's like no, no he's not like he's Superman. totally opposite. He's totally different. It's like okay, yes, he looks like Superman. Okay. However, <laughs> that's the point. Like right. Superman is the ideal like superhero figure right. and of course he transforms into the champion yes he's gonna look a little bit, a little bit like superman right but i mean and this is actually a, a good contrast because you had over in doomsday clock you had the inspirational hopeful superman who's yes. compassionate but is also doesn't take crap from anybody uh-huh. and and stern and more like a kind of like like a dad yes you know where uh, I, I hate calling him Shazam, but for legal reasons, I have to. Shazam has always been more like a kid, mm-hmm. and that's what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. All most of the problems that he gets into is because he's a kid, he's a kid. and it's about him <clears throat> not necessarily growing up, but realizing, oh, I have the wisdom of Solomon that right. I could use, or I have the you know power of Zeus or something like that. And getting out of that kid mindset yes. to go, oh, okay, I can use this or whatever. And what I really liked about this was it just it was just so adorable. Mm-hmm. Like it really felt like it was. Um, adorable is a good like word. Like I said, it's a <laughs> lot. Of, yeah, like it said, they felt like real kids, but not like a, not annoying kids. No, or anything like that, no. But like the best kids yeah. that you know when they. Like your favorite niece or nephew when yes. they come over because you mm-hmm. love hanging around them because they're positive, they're mm-hmm. happy, mm-hmm. they're not tainted by the world yet. Exactly. 
which was another thing that was always great about uh, the original Billy Batson. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that they did take steps to differentiate the characters from mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. which Definitely. is, Definitely. especially with that many characters, is tough. That's not easy to do, but he did a good job. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> and that backup story, talk about cute. It's adorable. That was... I loved it. Especially having the, the, the manga artist on there. Yeah, it was great. So, it's a nice touch. Yeah. So I mean I really I really liked it. Um, I'm very I'm interested to see what they do with the magic lands because I looked at like the different symbols and mm, like, well looks one like looks like the the flash but yes. then again there's like another one that has two of them so I'm like oh, that's probably not the flash but trying to figure out what it means and I'm guessing each land is one of the seven wizards and sorcerers yeah. sorceresses says mm-hmm. from <laughs> the council. <laughs> And another, and then probably one of the seven sins is there, or right. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so they definitely. have to come together and overcome their yes, whichever one affects them, or something like mm-hmm. that. I think that's going to be really cool. And one of the one of the uh, the next to the power uh, switch, uh, there's near the map. There was a um, uh, uh, like an entryway to Funland, and it has a big <laughs> sign that says "No Adult Supervision Required." Yep. So that's, that's right. another fun land. So you have the magic lands and you have fun land. Mm-hmm. So you got a lot, you got a lot going on. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, of course, I mean, you said it, uh, Dale Evil Sham is just, Oh, modern day Jack Kirby. Yeah. He's, he's, he's excellent. Awesome. God, I love his art. I yeah. adore. Yeah, he's, the, he's one of those, like uh, you, you buy the title just to get the art. Hell yeah. yeah. And the only down thing with Dale Evil Sham is, you know, there'll be delays. Yeah. Cause the dude just can't do a monthly schedule. Yeah. Because his art's that awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it, too. I'll take it, too. I will take it, too. The art is... I, I'm with you. The art is, is stellar. It's stellar looking. I, mm-hmm. I cannot praise the art. He, he the, the, the setting looks... Everything looks massive. Yeah. And epic. It, it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, how would you grade out Shazam number one? Um, I would give... I'll give the writing an eight, and I'll give the art a nine. Nice. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Stephen. I'm gonna go nine nut girls out of ten mm-hmm. for the writing, and ten, <laughs> ten night girls out of ten for the art. Yeah. Dale Effin Eagle Sham, except no substitutes, baby. God, I love this guy. <laughs> I love this guy. All right. Bye, Shazam. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Go out and buy this title. Buy three copies. Keep one. Give two. Yeah. There this you go. This is a title that deserves support. Yes. All right, my friend. Let's pop over to Marvel, shall we? Sure. Uh, Marvel is not as big this week, but I figured we'd take a quick little look at, uh, let's look at uh, Namor. Okay. Number one, the best defense. Brought to us Chip Zdarsky, who we like, yeah. doing the awards. Oh. Carlos Magno doing the art. Ian Herring doing the colors. Long and short of it is Namor decides he's going to reach out to the Vodani, who are a uh, uh, Atlanteans who separated from right. Atlantis aeons ago, and they've mm-hmm. hated each other ever since. And they're kind of the they're almost like boogeymen mm-hmm. to Atlante uh, to Atlanteans. Yeah, nowadays never seen one. For never seen one for years. hundreds of years or something like that or yeah. something. Yeah. So he Namor takes off. And you have to go to the most, most deepest depths in the ocean mm-hmm. to find them. That's where they're hidden. Yeah. Which is interesting. He finally gets there. It's hard, but he finally gets there. Mm-hmm. And uh, during this, we do get a, a, a cutaway scene to, quote, unquote, elsewhere, where we see someone in a white bedsheet with eyes cut out like a ghost. Mm-hmm. It's a human. They have a big knife, and they're killing two 
to aliens. Alien looking things. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. That's a little weird. Okay. Uh, we then <laughs> cut back to Namor finally arriving to the Vidani, and there he comes across the king mm-hmm. and his daughter. And he gets taken down by, uh, I guess he just initially gets taken down by the two daughters of the king. Yeah. And they play like the guards or something. Yeah. They play it off that he was, yeah, it's like a couple of guards and the daughters. One of them's for sure a daughter and then a couple of guards. And then they played off that, well, Namor had already, because of the intense pressure, the depths, mm-hmm. and he had to fight a couple of, you know, fight through Creatures, stuff. Yeah. So he was weakened by the time he got there. That's why he got taken down so quickly. So they, mm-hmm. they gave, Chips of Darcy gave Namor an out on that one. Yeah. And <laughs> while he was hallucinating in the depths and the, the tiny little tunnel he had to go through in the depths to get to the Vodani. Mm-hmm. He has flashbacks to uh, being in World War II, fighting the Nazis. And anyhow, he uh, wakes up, he's in front of the king, and he then makes his pitch to the king that he needs, they need to join and uh, uh, deal with the service people. And the king's like, the Vodani, the real Atlanteans, Vidani, they're the real Atlantis, and the Atlantis is the new Atlantis that broke off from us. You have it all backward. We didn't leave you. You left us. So we're yeah. the originals. You guys are the fakes. And screw you. We're not helping you. We hate you. Get out of here. <laughs> and then he go, and then Namor keeps pleading his case, and then the king's like, fine. You go deal with this one creature mm-hmm. that's been plaguing us. If you can kill him on your own, I'll go with you to Atlantis. Yeah. And so Namor goes off with the daughter. Mm-hmm. She decides to help. What I do like about these, these the Vodani is, so Atlanteans are blue. Yeah. The Vodani are light blue that glow. Yeah. Because they're because the super yeah. deep. Isn't mm-hmm. that cool? Like how the <laughs> fish really yep. in the deep depths glow. So the, the Vodani kind of glow, mm-hmm. which is neat. Yep. That was a cool touch. <laughs> and so anyhow, the big creature appears. Namor attacks it. And eventually he and the daughter of the king realize they could, they team up their powers because she can shoot some electricity. Mm-hmm. And Namor can electro- Electrolocate. Electrolocate, yeah. That they can team up and take down the creature, which they do. The king then arrives and goes, you were supposed to do it on your own. And well, I'm going to kill you anyway. And Namor's yeah. like, I thought we had a deal. He goes, ah, we didn't have a deal. I was just yeah, here to was... kill you just in case the creature didn't kill you. Yep. <laughs> That's all. And he starts whooping on Namor. He just whooping Namor's butt. Who's, mm-hmm. He's already just fought this big creature. He's yeah. a little worn out. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, his anger snaps. And he powers up, grabs the king tackles him, flies up through the ocean, and he goes, one big difference between you and me, I can breathe air. Ah. Whoom, they come out of the water, and he holds him up in the air. Yep. And he's like, Aah! he starts dying and dying, and the daughter like, comes up to the surface. She's like, <laughs> The Vodani, evidently, we've learned, have never been to the surface. They're not yeah. allowed to go to the surface. They don't go anywhere except for the deep, dark depths. They never mm-hmm. leave it, period. Yeah. And so and the daughter wanted to like help Namor. Yeah. So anyhow, Namor... As he's flying up in the air, he keeps flying up and 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 up toward the atmosphere. Yep. And so the king, of course, dies. Namor lets him go, and he goes, "Doesn't matter. The his daughter will be a better queen than he was a king." Yeah. And pretty hardcore to kill his her dad in front of her. Yeah. And be like, "That's for the better. You'll be a better queen." Like, and then he keeps on flying, keeps on flying. Yeah. Out into space. Mm-hmm. Killing himself. I don't. I didn't understand why Namor decided to commit suicide. Well, that what I thought was happening was that when he got up into the space, he realized that this was a world of water. That he was on another planet. I think because I remember going through the because there was he was flashing back to going to the depths. 
And You're right. And then, like, wait, this is... You're right. There is no air here. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and, I mean, still, you know, the thing, it's it's badass, and it's like, wow, like, oh, okay. <laughs> Just yes. Choking this dude out while he's also dying himself. Yes. And, And geez. then he floats into the space and out of nowhere comes the silver surfers surfboard mm-hmm. and Namor goes, what, what's going on? Evidently the universe is not done with me yet. Yep. And my search for powerful allies is far from over mm-hmm. to be continued. And it's going to continue as part of the whole original defenders. Yes. Evidently you've got the immortal Hulk, the best defense, number one, Namor, the best defense, number one. Next week is Dr. Strange, the best defense, number one, silver surfer, the de- best, best defense, number one. And then in two weeks you get the defenders, Mm-hmm. The best defense, number one. Yes. Um, Stephen, mm-hmm. Namor, the best defense, number one. What do you think? Despite his um, his stripperific outfit, oh, it's the worst. It is still the absolute God. worst. However, getting past that, yes, I thought this was excellent. Yes. Yeah, it was I, much better than I was expecting. Oh yeah, I was surprised. Even I was legit <laughs> surprised. I was ready to hate this comic. Yeah, I um, way better than I thought. Yeah, I think that I mean, well, it's Chip Zdarsky who, I guess, no matter who he's writing, he, he does a good job. He does a great job. Yeah, and it, this does the thing that now you might be able to tell me better than other people are. Have the Vodani people ever been brought up before? I have never you seen know them of? before. Which brings my point. The I love that he takes the time, like DC has done, to expand the myth, the mythology of of Namor right. in Atlantis, and this Atlantis, which has always kind of been kind of just relegated to, right. yeah, it's Atlantis, whatever. Right. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. I, and, of course, the fact that they're on another planet I like a lot. Yes. And um, so that, but I really like, and this is something that I think Jason Aaron also did well when he was writing Namor, is he showed that, that Namor, like, he'll do some bad things, but he's not necessarily a bad guy. Like, he is really doing what he thinks is best to protect Atlantis. And he has a fairly compelling argument to mm-hmm. make that, you know, that, you know, the, the service people, they're polluting the waters, they're, they're just destroying everything. I'm trying to do what I can yep. to to protect us. If I have to do bad things and whatever, yep. you know, it's just, that's just how it's going to have to be. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I like that they really do get that across. That they get his determination yes. across his, um, um, well, really everything about Namor because they have that imperiousness, mm-hmm. that very arrogant, mm-hmm. um, like you, you dare. Right? Yes. How <laughs> dare you? He's the kind you, of guy who would worm. say something like that. <laughs> but he also, because like when he has to humble himself to speak to the king, it's, yes. you can just tell he's like he's seeding. struggling. Yeah, it's, it's a struggle for him. But. Um, even with that, and I really like the with the flashbacks to World War II because they seem very mm-hmm. like just kind of random at first. Yeah, a but bit. then it, when he makes his case, you really get the feel, the sense that oh, this is somebody who has lived a long time, yes, and who has yes. experienced the worst <sighs> right, of that humankind. humanity has to offer. Yes, and he knows them very well. Yeah, and that this like that this is why he is so desperate to come here mm-hmm. to travel all that way to get help. And then of course to reveal, you know, of course that they're going to turn on him, which I thought was, it was maybe a little predictable, but right. the way that Namor handled it, mm-hmm. just the, you know what? Mm-hmm. Screw you. Like 
gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suffocate yes. you in space. It's so awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, it has everything. I mean, they. Uh, pre- if this is like a primer for Namor, it's like the perfect introduction to his yeah. character. Oh, yeah. I totally everything, agree. All yes. his, the past, how it influences him, his, mm-hmm. his good qualities, his bad qualities, mm-hmm. everything. Like this is really. If they want to do a a Namor movie, like, and they want to like release, mm-hmm. it, oh, if you want to know about Namor, all they have to do is just show him this issue. Yeah, it's a good primer for his character. Oh yeah, I totally agree with you. Look, Chip Zdarsky does a great job with the story. Mm-hmm. It's a fun issue. It is. Uh, it's it's well paced. It moves at a brisk pace. Mm-hmm. It never loses focus. I mean, yeah. It has a clear purpose and it moves forward. Yeah, I like that. Um, it's got good scene transitions. You go from as it builds on each other to the climactic ending. Mm-hmm. It has a great balance of dialogue-heavy scenes and action scenes. Yeah. And it has a lot of action. Oh, and yeah. The action, <laughs> I mean, a lot of action. And the action is really well done. It's badass. It's mm-hmm. very cool. Neymar gets to... It's good, good, good. It's got good psychology. I like that... I like that Zdarsky goes out of his way to protect Namor's character by giving an excuse as to why he would get taken down by these guards. Yeah. And giving him an excuse as to why he would struggle in the fight against the king because mm-hmm. he's just been through all this other fighting. Like yeah. He's, he's, he's not a machine. He's, yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I like it's kind of like in pro wrestling. If you're going to have a baby face uh, get beat up by a heel then that babyface better have just finished a grueling 30-minute match. Yeah. Or he better have been hit by a chair from behind before the bad guy showed up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. you got to give an excuse for why he couldn't Fight take on. Up, yeah. um, so I thought that was really well done for mm-hmm. the action scenes. And, of course, just a badass moment of how he took the king out after fighting this massive monster. Yeah. The way he took him out in such a brutal, badass way in front mm-hmm. of the king's daughter. It was just, oh, that's Namor. Yeah. That right there, that scene shows you. That's Namor. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in addition to the great action, it is great character work. For all, I agree with everything you said. I'm not going to go over it again. He nails Namor's personality mm-hmm. perfectly. Good and bad. Yeah. Good and bad with equal attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And I loved watching him just, you could see how it's just a struggle for him to try to maintain being diplomatic and, <laughs> and, and you know and, and humble in front of the king when he's asking for his help, you can tell he's just, killing me. I just want to like rage mode on you. It was so, it was really well done though, and a great hook ending with Silver Surfer surfboard appearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the original Defenders. Yeah, I think they're awesome. I would. I don't know what made Marvel decide to do this. Yeah, but it's, it, it's cool. <laughs> I would love like I'd be. I'm all bored if Marvel wanted to give us a Defenders title with Hulk. Namor, Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm all in on that. Yeah, I would buy the hell out of that title. Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they would, but that'd be awesome if they did. It really would. And maybe this is testing out the market. Yeah, I mean, it's all, you don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just saying, like, hey, let's let's see how let's see how people respond. Hulk's no longer with Avengers. Nope. Doctor Strange is no longer with Avengers. Nope. Silver Surfer's not with anybody. Nope. And Namor's on his own. Yep. So uh, this could be them testing the market. Just mm-hmm. yeah, let's see what's going on out there. Yeah, Anyhow. Right. <laughs> uh, how would you grade out Namor the best defense number one um, well I mean I love the writing I'd actually yep. give the writing a nine mm-hmm. um, the art I didn't really we didn't really talk about that that much I think it was it was nice like 1970s style art yeah it reminded me of 1970s sword <laughs> and sorcery style art yeah cause you even, know what I mean yeah just even that cover of yeah this, the classic yeah. Namor going yeah. through the water that was great mm-hmm. um, so yeah I would get, I'd get the art in Eight. Mm-hmm. I did like it. It mm-hmm. didn't blow my socks off, but it did. It was a mm-hmm. nice throwback. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very close to you. Very close to you. I'll sure. go 
Story, I'm going to go... No, I'm going to be the same. Eight Nichols out of ten. And the art, eight Nichols out of ten. Straight eights for me. Okay. And it, definitely a surprising buy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, last up, my friend. Winter Soldier, number one again. I can't resist a number one issue. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's right. And this is brought to us. Uh, Kyle Higgins doing the words. He's a good writer. Mm-hmm. And Rod Reese doing the art. That's a good artist. Mm-hmm. Um, in this issue, basically, we learn that Bucky Barnes is now in the business of helping bad guys uh, reform. Because mm-hmm. Bucky was a bad guy oh, as a yeah. Winter Soldier and committed all these atrocities that he can't uh, forget. Yeah. And uh, he's dealing with his own demons in his past. And he th- feels like the one way to do it is to help other people who are criminals um, get a new lease on life if they want it. And mm-hmm. what he does is he basically rescues them from their bad situation gets them out of whatever criminal organization they're in and sets them up with a new identity, new mm-hmm. life, and a new location. Yeah. Right? And he, oper- he operates out of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. He operates out of his hometown, uh, Shelbyville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And he's basically operating the whole Midwest area, helping people out in that area. Yeah. And we see him helping a corrupt police officer get out of a organized crime ring. Mm-hmm. He's a part of That's how we begin with. And we get some good action as he beats up the you know, bad cops coming after him. And we see, we get a nice little two page uh, recap of his origin mm-hmm. as the Winter Soldier and uh, Bucky and as Captain America. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to his home in Shelbyville where Tony Stark is paying him a visit. Yep. And making some modifications to his arm, his mm-hmm. mechanical arm. And we also see that Sharon Carter is there as well. And uh, we, get a, we, we do get a cool flashback scene. Uh, we see that Bucky now meditates. Mm-hmm. and uh, Tony repairs his arm, and then Tony heads out. He's mm-hmm. gone, right? And Sharon, I guess, stays behind. We see Bucky meditating, and he, and he has a vision of when he was released from the Winter Soldier tube where he was frozen, mm-hmm. and is by a scientist who says, hey, I'm here working on behalf of Americans, I'm, uh, on behalf of the good guys here to get you rescue you, to get you out of here. And he's like, where are you going to take me? And they're like, we're going to take you home. And he's like, home? Where's home? And this agents like you know america and bucky's like no no and like snaps the guy's neck yeah. so he's so brainwashed that he even kills an american agent who's there to rescue him yep so that shows you the level of bad things that the winter soldier did mm-hmm. it's a really effective flashback scene to show you how bad his demons yeah. are exactly all the horrible things he did mm-hmm. and so then you see him with sharon and they have yet another person that he's working with yeah and he heads out to Wisconsin to meet with this guy who used to be a Hydra agent. Mm-hmm. And the Hydra agent's like, I don't know how I can do this. This new life. I don't have any friends. I have a work a crappy job bagging groceries, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm in a small town. And Bucky's like, man, you were torturing people from Hydra. You said you wanted to change, you know, start a new life. Mm-hmm. This is what you got to do. Maybe you should see a therapist. And then the Hydra guy says, well, yeah, that's what my girlfriend says too. And he's like, well, you still talking to your old girlfriend? And he's like, yeah. And before, you know what, bullets (laughs) kills the ex-Hydra agent. Mm -hmm. And Bucky starts blocking him with his arm. (laughs) Kind of like Wonder Woman. And then he gets shot in the chest, but he's wearing bulletproof vest. Mm -hmm. And the shooter walks into the room. And the shooter's like, ah, look at you, Mr. Barnes. Oh, uh uh-huh. I was expecting to kill you. Um, he goes, I'm a real big fan of yours. And we pan back and we see it's like a new version of Bucky. Yeah. A younger, it looks like Bucky back when he was a kid. Yep. But an evil Bucky. Mm-hmm. 
and we know his name is um it's like RJ or something like that. Um <laughs> anyhow. Uh <laughs> it's a, such a random name for a bad guy. Yeah. Isn't it? What is it? RJ. Yeah, it's RJ. RJ, the teenage assassin extraordinaire. <laughs> um are you sure his name doesn't start with a D and end with Amy and Wayne? <laughs> oh, he could. <laughs> There's um, a certain resemblance there. There is. There is. Yeah. There is. <laughs> uh, that's the issue. Yeah. Uh, what would you think, Stephen, of Winter Soldier number one? Well, I I mean, I love uh, I love Kyle Higgins as a writer. Yes. Especially with what he's done with the Power Rangers. I think he's... Definitely. Just, just completely... Blew out my expectations. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Um, and I do like the Winter Soldier a yes. lot. Um, yes. I mean, well, let's be fair. I love Ed Brubaker's Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I mean, anybody else trying to handle it is like, okay, well, high standard. Let's see what you got. Yeah, yeah. And for a first issue, I I really like what they're doing with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense that especially as someone, you know, who used to be Captain America, that he would really want to to help people like yes. himself. Like, all right, I yes. know there's like, not everybody in these organizations is bad, is completely evil. Right. And that if anybody's going to be able to save him, it's probably going to be the Winter Soldier. Because mm-hmm. he's the only one who's going to take that time to, mm-hmm. you know, go rescue them. Mm-hmm. Which is which is definitely unique among these kind of titles, because most of all, it's just, you know, punch the bad guys in the face. Correct. Just toss them in jail and it's whatever yes so i really like that um uh the i mean the the end kind of reveal oh it's another assassin who looks like bucky um in just a regular story sense that's Mm -hmm. not completely interesting i do like how because they've shown through the issue of course how his past has affected him correct i'm interested to see how seeing somebody inspired by him and his evil form yes um is gonna affect bucky that's what i really Mm -hmm. like because i really like how they write Bucky, like the way he's trying to manage his mm-hmm. demons, mm-hmm. Uh, trying to be, you know, the good guy, like like Captain America, or or how that like kind of weighs on him. Yes, and I even just like at the beginning with the word, like, like the words, like he of all the things that I did, I was just given a pardon because I fought Hydra. Right, right, and um, and that I mean that's kind of where the whole issue revolves around is mm-hmm. around him and his character and mm-hmm. his growth, what he's going through. Mm-hmm. And I really dug that a lot. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I was not hot on was the art. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the art. Yeah, um, like there's some like it's hit or miss. It is. It's hit or miss. And I mean, because sometimes when it hits, it's cool. Like with yeah. the, the officer going into the the building at the very beginning, you see someone standing on the roof, <sighs> yeah. like, all in shadow. I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And even when he first shows up in the elevator shaft mm-hmm. or whatever, and you see him, it's like, oh, okay. Well, that's pretty. It's not well defined or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those, um, like the the flashback where it's him as Captain America with Steve Rogers, yeah. Captain America. That was that's just, weak. That was that was bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but so it's it's uneven, but mm-hmm. it is in some in the parts where it needs to be effective. I think it works well enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would have gotten I would have called up Steve Epting or something. Yeah, for this. But me too. I mean, you know, it's first issue. It could it could it's probably it'll probably get better. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but um, but the writing I think was was aces. I totally agree with yeah. you. I think writing is the strength of the title. Mm-hmm. Not that the art was terrible. Don't oh, get sure, me wrong. Sure. But I think the writing is clearly the strength of the title. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I love the Bucky. Uh, I love uh, Bucky's character. I love Winter Soldier. I adored this when Brubaker rolled this and brought him back mm-hmm. as the Winter Soldier. I was I was going crazy out of my head over it. I thought yeah. it was fantastic. Um, I think that. Uh, what I like about it is is that you get for number one issue again you get a Higgins does a great job letting you know mm-hmm. all right here's the main character yep here's a supporting cast mm-hmm. here's his mission objective yep here's your um, initial uh, villain for the first story arc yep and go and, oh and this is the kind of title you can expect yeah go it, perfect I mean he did it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you got Bucky, the main character. You got a good sense of his character. Yep. You got a little bit. You got all the backstory you need in a very succinct and economical fashion with just two oh, pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very succinct. Very well done. I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate how he's able to do it in just two pages. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It takes some writers a whole issue to do that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. And I think that the the flashback scene, the two-page flashback scene of the American agent trying to rescue Bucky only to get killed by Bucky. Mm-hmm. Really emphasized how what bad he'd been he through, was. Yeah. how bad, how brainwashed he was, mm-hmm. and I love that they are not letting Bucky just get past this. The fact is, Bucky has been a villain far longer than he has been a hero. Mm-hmm. He was a hero for maybe two years in World War Two. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then he was a villain for let's see, fifty one. About six decades. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So for 60 years, he was a villain. Yeah. Two yeah, years before a... that, he was a good guy. And now, since he came, since he was, you know, brought back and mm-hmm. made hero again, he's been a hero for a couple of years. So he's got, yeah. like, a couple of years of being a hero and 60 years, six decades of being a villain. Mm-hmm. So he shouldn't ever get over this, to be honest with you. Yep, that's right. It's 60 years of being one of the most evil men on the planet. Mm-hmm. You don't get you don't get past that. Yeah, and especially with when somebody messes with your head like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's ways you could probably bury it, but you never get no. over it. So I really like the fact they made him broken, mm-hmm. not hopeless. Right, not hopeless. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to do the right thing, and he's still trying to help other people because he mm-hmm. thinks there is some good in other people as well. Yeah, not hopeless, but he should. Someone like that should forever be broken. Yeah, period. Mm-hmm. It has to be. And I think Higgins gets that. Yep. He gets that. And he walks that fine line between making him broken yet hopeful. Yeah. So he doesn't just become like a caricature or just too, oh, oh this sure. is too angsty. I can't deal with it. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, nobody wants that. Sure. He, he walks the line perfectly, I think. Mm-hmm. Really, really good job. Higgins does a great job with Bucky's character. I think it's, oh, just, yeah. I think it's just fantastically written. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I just I, I like I like his new mission. Statement. I like his new mission in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. It makes total sense. It's a good role for him. Yeah. Uh, and the issue is, uh, it's entertaining. It's got a, a, a just enough action to keep it lively. Yeah. And strong character work <laughs> to keep you involved and engrossed in the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think it's kind of neat. I agree with you. Uh, this character RJ could be a character where in any other issue you're like, eh, lame. Yeah. But in this. You nailed it with Bucky trying so hard to see the good in other people who are in a situation like him to have to be faced with someone who is hero-worshipping 
the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, should be interesting. Oh, yeah. Should and be very I think, interesting. I think it will be. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I definitely have high hopes. I think Higgins is on something. I know this title probably won't sell well. I hope it does. Higgins deserves it. He does. This is a good title. Yeah. This is a good, well-written title. Yeah, and just our luck, Marvel will, will cancel this, the one we like. I know, I know. Subsidize all the ones we don't. Right, I know, seriously. Um, <laughs> <sighs> Winter Soldier number one, what would you think? How'd you grade it? I will give, I will give the, the writing a... Hmm. I'll give the writing a seven. I think it's uh, yeah. very, very good. Does what it needs to do. Um, it didn't quite cross that threshold, but right you now it's the first issue. I'm not right. always expecting the world out of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the art, I'll give the art a five. Perfect. It's right in the middle of the road. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair, actually. I'm going to go uh, seven nickels out of ten for the writing as well. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit more than you, six nickels out of ten for the art. Okay. But but yeah, I have the same reservations that you had for sure. Uh, all right, my friend, that's a pretty darn good week of comics, actually. Yeah. There's only one real miss that we had: the Martian Manhunter, yeah. number one. That's the only one real miss, and a surprise with the Namor comic. Yes, so that was kind of cool. Though I have to say, uh, Stephen, this this week was all about DC. DC just killed it this week. They had so many damn good comics this week between Shazam, oh, yeah. Shazam, Justice League. Um, and Doomsday Clock, uh, Green Lantern 2 that we didn't even get to. Yeah. It was fantastic. They had so many good comics this week, Stephen. DC, man, I'm telling you, they just, they just, mm-hmm. week in and week out, Stephen. I just, I'm so impressed by the quality of titles they're putting out. Yeah. It's really, it's really good stuff. It's really good stuff. I, I have, but I, uh, again, there's still a few gems over there at Marvel. You got to look oh, for yeah. them. You got to look for them. They're there. <laughs> You just gotta avoid the most uh, the the ones maybe they push the most. Yeah, I would say that. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, my friend. On that bombshell. On that bombshell that you can't just blindly trust what comic is being pushed towards you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to do a little digging. Oh yeah. Do a little do digging. Some work. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. On that note, until next time, viva la revolution. <laughs>